Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Plenty on the NBA. Already got a win under our belts today for the Phoenix Suns starting the Western Conference uh, final. But we need to determine who the other team in the Eastern Conference final is going to be. We know the Bucks got there last night. Uh, can the Sixers or the Hawks join them? A guy who's uh, written about both of the two series over the last couple of days. I usually talk college with him, be it either college football or college basketball. But USA is smart enough, uh, USA Today, uh, to uh, get him to uh, jump aboard the other sports when the college season is d- uh, down during its off season. Uh, so Dan Walken has been writing plenty of NBA stuff for USA Day of late, and he joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How's your uh, season going, Dan? Well, this is a great time of year. There's just a lot going on with uh, playoffs kind of coming to a crescendo. And you've got the golf majors. You've got uh, the tennis majors. You've got baseball. Uh, football will be starting soon. So it's a fun time of year. Absolutely. And uh, you do a great job of writing about all of it for USA Today. Uh, I mentioned Sixers-Hawks tonight. Yes, the Sixers staved off elimination in uh, game number six. Um, but they've already lost two games at home to the Hawks in this uh, series, and the Sixers were the best team in the Eastern Conference at home. Uh, yes, a lot will be determined, not only who's going to be in the Eastern Conference, but uh, the future of this Sixers organization. How important, how must win is it for them tonight uh, to at least get to an Eastern Conference Finals, which they haven't done in 20 years? I think the narrative on the 76ers has been clear since game five, which is if they don't pull out this series, there's there's going to be major changes. There might be anyway. Like, we'll see what happens, even if they get by this series, if they don't beat the Bucks, uh, I think that'll bring up some, some questions as well. But it's been a funky series for the 76ers in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, they've blown two big leads. They won game six on the road, despite you know, still not really solving their offense issues. Uh, not not in the least. And we'll see what happens in Game 7. Obviously, they're favored uh, to win. They're, they're at home. They were the number one seed. Like This, this is a game they should win. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's just a hard group to have a lot of confidence in. And I think that's kind of where I come out on it for the 76ers is, you know, if they lose, if, if, it, if you lose a Game 7 to the Hawks at home, I, I think it's probably – going to be the end of the line for the Simmons and beat combination. I think they're going to have to be aggressive to, to figure something else out. Uh, and uh, surely I do want to ask you about the game, but the point you're making is uh, well worth talking about even before the game is played. Cause I think, right. Uh, this postseason has kind of been a revelation on uh, Ben Simmons. And I can give you a, uh, front uh, row perspective in Philadelphia because that's where I live and host and do shows during the week. Um, Doc Rivers is taking a lot of critique in Philadelphia right now. And I think unfairly and incorrectly so with his actual coaching during the games. But where I think the fans actually have a leg to stand on that are getting in Doc's kitchen is he just bends over backwards to defend Ben Simmons at every turn. 
God forbid any media member ever ask a question about uh, Ben Simmons and the issues and the troubles and the struggles he has. Doc goes into immediate defense mode, even with a chip on his shoulder type attitude. Is that going to be a uh, hurdle that they're going to have to get over during this offseason if they decide, all right, the process is over, we took our shot, it doesn't work, we need to break up our two superstars? Will Doc Rivers be uh, a guy who will stand in the way of that with Daryl Morey, the president of the organization? Because he sure as hell sounds like it whenever he's asked about him by any of the members of the media. Yeah, coaches are in such a tough position these days when they have to talk publicly about about players. Um, Look, I, I think Doc is smart enough to know that what they get offensively from Ben Simmons is not good enough. It's it's not... Uh, it, it's not going to work at the highest, highest level. Um, so, how, how do you how do you figure it out? You know, do you do you challenge him publicly? Do you challenge him privately? Guys these days are are a little bit different. You know, in terms of their mentality, their sensitivity, their ego, uh, how easily they can you know turn on coaches. So, I think it's just a tough balance. Uh, but there's no question that that I think kind of the over the top defense of Ben Simmons, like you mentioned, has, has potentially enabled some, some bad habits. You know, I think you saw, especially in game four and five, and, and he was no better in game six. Uh, they, they just happened to win at, at the end. But you know, you've seen, I think, that Simmons just sort of checks out offensively. And I think that the coach, it's on the coach to make sure that you're not enabling that because if you're going to be a, uh, a great team in the postseason, if you're going to have a real chance to win a title, you've got to build that during the regular season that, that he is a viable offensive player at the end of games and that he can, you know, that he can actually do stuff instead of just sort of stand in the dunker spot and, or, you know, sit on the bench because he doesn't want to get fouled. Like that's just not good enough. Uh, and this is something I was going to bring up on the show. Glad you did it. So I'll ask you now. When did being down low on the baseline become the dunker spot? I played basketball a long time ago, and it was just called being on the baseline. It wasn't called the dunker spot. Now, I never could actually dunk. So when I played grade school, high school, Division three college, uh, it was never called that. And I've never heard it called that until the last couple of years. That that, And specifically with Ben Simmons, more than anybody else, playing the dunker spot when was that phrase coined? It's a great question. I do not have an answer. You don't know uh, either. All right, good. Thank you very much for that. Now I feel better that I had no idea sense. where the hell that came makes, from. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, like that, you know, you're, you're, you're on the baseline. You're there to catch a lob. You're there to put back an offensive rebound. You know, I think that that is so, a, a natural term. But, yeah, I don't know who came up with that. Yeah, it's not a natural term for Simmons because he gets fouled before he goes up to dunk it, and then he goes to the foul line and misses foul shots. So that's why I think that they're, I think they're doing more hiding him than anything else and just trying to get the most out of him on defense. Here's the one issue that I have with trading Ben Simmons. Not that I wouldn't do it, but I think this will become an issue uh, during this offseason if they decide to go that direction. His value has plummeted. I I don't know of any significant player, a team that's so desperate for his skills, which is, yes, he can still run the point. He can still make guys better. He's one of the two or three best defense players in the league. But he is such a complicated and underachieving offensive player. 
I don't know what team would want to give you something significant in return just to add Simmons. So if you're going to give up a guy who is supposed to be one of your uh, franchise-changing players and you're getting very little in return, that's going to be a tough trigger for Daryl Morey to pull. Yeah, I think uh, you'd have to be a very specific situation to want to have Ben Simmons as, as one of your key guys, especially at the contract number that, that he has, which is, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's, you know, it's massive. I mean, it's, no, it's, ma- it's max. Yeah, it's, it's the max that he could have gotten. Yeah. So, um, you know, look, uh, one of the things that came out there last week, and this is not news, this is just sort of speculation, people firing at the trade machine is, you know, Portland's got a problem right now. Philly's got a problem. Do you maybe look for a trade there? But, you know, I don't – Portland's not trading Damian Lillard for uh, Ben Simmons. Would they trade C.J. McCollum? That's certainly more possible. But what does C.J. McCollum do for Philly? Because then you're just sort of replacing Seth Curry with a player who's, you know, maybe marginally better. Or, I mean, not you know, I mean, he's better than Seth Curry, but that doesn't really necessarily solve your, your, your overall problem. Uh, and then you're obviously going to have to add a point guard. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're in a tough spot, and it's it's not going to be easy to make that trade. That being said, you think they win tonight at home against uh, the Hawks? Yeah, I think it's more likely than not that, that Philadelphia is going to pull this series out. Um, you know, they're, they're the better team. They've, they've been the better team all season, and they're the number one seed, and they're at home. This is the Hawks' first foray into the playoffs they're also banged up i mean they haven't had deandre hunter for the whole series who's a key part of their team they uh you know bogdanovich who's had a very rough series uh seems to be injured having some knee problem so like yeah there's no excuse for philly not to win this and they probably will but at the same time this is such a fragile type of team that you just can't bank uh, on them I, i don't think And I wanted to get your take on this. I started my show with this because I couldn't believe the way that it was handled by the NBA. Uh, There was the on-court altercation the other night between the Sixers and the Hawks, between Joel Embiid and John Collins and other Hawks involved in it, one being Trey Young. And Embiid was uh, assessed a foul plus a technical. They gave Collins a matching technical, so they hit them both with tees. Um, and it was announced today that, oh, by the way, the NBA fining Embiid $35,000 for escalating the on-court uh, altercation. That wasn't the way I saw it. Collins went up for a uh, alley-oop, and he kind of used Embiid as a ladder to get up big enough to make the play, hit Embiid in the shoulder and in the face, then Embiid uh, backs up into him. I guess that's where they called the foul. I didn't see it. Uh, and then they both go to the floor, and Embiid falls on top of him. So Collins pushes him off. Embiid gets ticked off, gets up, tries to get in Collins' face, and with his hands raised above his head, just keeps getting pushed off the floor. He and Collins both go into the stanchion. How the hell does Embiid be the only guy who gets up getting a fine for that? I, I don't know. Um, you know, but also at the end of the day, $20,000 to uh, Joel Embiid is, is not, not, not the same as $20,000 to you or me. And right. ultimately, uh, ultimately I, I can't get too worked up about it. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, I'm getting worked up about it because uh, I think it was wrong. And, oh, by the way, I'm hoping that it ticks him beat off and he comes out and plays like Madman tonight. We shall see. All right. I uh, know you wrote after last night's game as well. Nets and Bucks. I've gotten a bunch of calls on it since I was on the air while the game was ending, after the game, and again today. Uh, and some people calling it one of the best NBA playoff games they've ever watched. And I'll say the first 48 minutes might have been one of the best NBA playoffs I've ever watched. But then they played five more minutes. And both just teams just woefully ran out of gas. The the Bucks got a little uh, lucky that they had just slightly more uh, in an empty tank than the Nets did. Uh, that the overtime, I won't say spoiled it for me, but it brought it back down to earth. How would you rate last night's Bucks game seven win? Well, there there were definitely some incredible moments and a lot of drama coming down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, like it was a game where neither team played a full rotation and, and the stars basically it was going to, you know, it was going to live or die the season with, with those guys. And I, I totally, from a coach's perspective, when, when your season's on the line, I understand that. But yeah, when you, you know, when you're KD and you're playing, you know, 50 plus minutes, it's hard to do. And you're, you're going to run out of gas. Your, your legs are going to get tired. And so, um, yeah, it got a little sloppy at the end, and and certainly the Nets didn't. They weren't able to create really quality shots, especially in overtime. Uh, toward the end of overtime, and then, and they missed the open ones that they had. So, um, yeah, I, I I would say not you know like the greatest game of all time, but it was certainly uh, interesting and dramatic. And when you consider just sort of the state, the physical state of the Nets team uh, toward the end of that series with you know, Harden struggling and um, obviously no Kyrie. I, I think the Bucks uh, should feel very fortunate that they didn't uh, choke that away. I just had a call from a caller. I'll turn around and put the question he asked to me to you. We know the Bucks are in. They had a grinding seven-game victory, but they're moving to an Eastern Conference Finals. They don't know who they're taking on yet. Which would be a better matchup for them? Would they have a better shot against the Hawks or the 76ers? Well, I think if you're Milwaukee, you'd, you'd rather play Atlanta, um, clearly, uh, just based on pedigree, based on you don't have to deal with Embiid, uh, all that stuff. But, you know, I, Milwaukee's the favorite, uh, I think, regardless of, of who wins. I, I think – they're healthy, relatively. I mean, Giannis, you know, two-time MVP, and and all the things they've done to upgrade that roster with with Drew Holiday, and um, obviously Chris Middleton turned his series around after a pretty rough start. Like, like this is a series Milwaukee should win, and they should get to the finals. This is their time, and if they don't, I think it's going to be a huge disappointment. Here's the reason why I was a little bit more tentative in answering the question. I believe the Sixers have the better top-to-bottom roster, and they got a little bit more playoff experience than Atlanta. That is true. But who would cover Trey Young for the Bucks? They, I, I, I'm a Drew Holiday fan, but truth be told, he's not great at covering small, quick guys. They don't really have a guy like that. I think Trey Young could be a major issue for them if it comes down to Hawks and Bucks. Well, I think as we've seen throughout the playoffs, Trey, Trey Young's an issue for everybody. Uh, there's, there's, there's not a great way. I mean, he is such a, a smart, pick-and-roll, creative player, uh, and obviously he's got 
very good shooting skills as well. But just the way that he attacks defenses, he, he figures stuff out. And I think he's even figured stuff out you know, that, that Philly's thrown at him. And Philly's a great defensive team. And, and you know, I think he's kind of dominated Simmons uh, as this series has, has gone along. So yeah, he, he's a great offensive player. And I, I don't know that you, uh, you can necessarily slow him down all that much. But I, I just think for, for Milwaukee, like, you'd, you'd rather play the more inexperienced, the younger team, and frankly, the more injured team uh, going into that series. Which of these two players has taken a bigger step up here in this postseason in their NBA status and standing? Trey Young or Devin Booker? Well, I think they both kind of flipped the the narrative around them coming into this season, which was, are they winning players? You know, they obviously have tremendous skills and they can do a lot of things on the court, but they had played for losing teams. Booker much longer than, than Troy Young. Troy Young came into a rebuilding situation with a bad roster, and it was only two years. So to- totally a little bit different, but, but the same sort of uh, criticism around both of them. And, you know, I think they've shown that, yes, when you put other good players around them, they can continue to thrive, and, and what they do can translate to winning playoff basketball. Agreed. Um, Suns got game one today at home, but we've seen the Clippers rally in two straight series. Um, if you thought that the Clippers were the favorite coming in, does that change after the way game one went today? Well, I think the Clippers, it was going to be tough for them coming off the huge emotional uh, turnaround, just 48 hours, less than 48 hours, really, um, to to try to win game one when they had to put everything into beating Utah and to do it without Kawhi and, you know, just kind of the, the, what did they score 80 points in 20 something minutes in that, in the second half of that game. And so I just think like to turn around and be great in game one was going to be tough for them. And Hey, they, they still played pretty well. Like they still were were in it at the end. So I, I don't feel worse about the Clippers chances, but it's it's mysterious what's going on with Kawhi. Nobody really knows, and, and I think it's very clear they need to get him back. Yeah, that, when you lose someone that play. But then again, uh, CP3 was out for the Clippers, so they were both handicapped a little bit today. Um, what was it that you saw about Terrence Mann when he was a collegiate player? I saw you tweet earlier where uh, you'd said uh, when he's coming out of college, I like him, hope he sticks with the Clippers. Oh, yeah, he's sticking, and it's come up huge and is a big factor in their chance to get to an NBA final here. What was it about his game that you liked? Well, I, you know, he played at Florida State, and uh, I watched uh, quite a few of, of his games when he was there, and you know, I just thought he was, was a very mentally tough player, a very – aggressive, smart player, um, good defender. Uh, I just thought he, he had a nice skill set. I mean, he, he could play either guard position, um, you know, could, could, could handle the ball and play point guard if he needed him to, uh, could, could just do a lot of things and, you know, had some size. And I just, I just thought he was a really, he was a really, really good leader. And I, I just, he had a great career at Florida State. And I, I certainly thought he uh, uh, had had the potential to be a good pro. I just didn't, you know, you just never know sometimes with these guys, uh, especially, you know, four-year players, uh, 
you know, guy, not not a guy who's a one and done type guy. Um, you know, whether that was going to translate. I remember I was on the air the night of the uh, draft when Terrence Mann was picked, and I said, "Hey, that's a good value pick for the Clippers. He's a guy who give him a little something, something off the bench." I didn't know it was going to be 30-plus points uh, coming off the bench and helping him advance to any uh, Western Conference final. But uh, I liked him, but not nearly as much as you did. I give you props for that. I give you props for hopping on with me and giving us as much NBA insight as you have tonight, Dan. Thank you much. We will be in touch again. Happy Father's Day, buddy. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. My pleasure. Dan Walken, USA Today. I think of him as a college football slash basketball guy, but they put him to work covering the NBA, and his articles have been outstanding here in this postseason. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 